to the Mayor's Disability Council meeting this Friday, January 20th, 2023. This is a virtual meeting. This meeting is broadcast to the public on sfgov.tv. It's open captioned and sign language interpreted. And so you have both at your disposal. The Mayor's Disability Council holds nine public meetings yearly. They're generally held on the third Friday of the month. Please call the Mayor's Office on Disability for further information or to request accommodations at 415-554-6789-VOICE or by email at mod at sfgov.org. Our next regular meeting will be on Friday, February 17th, 2023, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. It will also be an online meeting and will also be broadcast on sfgov.tv. The February meeting will be a joint meeting between the Mayor's Disability Council and the Department on Disability, excuse me, the Department of Disability and Aging Commission. As co-chair, I would like to address the issue of civility during MDC meetings. We encourage civility. Disagreement will always play a role in government. The key is to focus on the strengths and weaknesses of proposed solutions to community, to community problems not to engage in personal attacks against those who favor different solutions. We welcome all viewpoints on the issues faced by people with disabilities. And we encourage ideas rather than hostile verbal assaults. MDC members, pledge to treat each other and members of the public with respect. And we expect the same from the public. As a reminder to everyone joining us, we ask that you speak slowly to help facilitate the interpretation and captioning of the meeting. And when we say slowly, we also don't want you to speak too slowly. That doesn't help either. Also, please be aware that during this meeting, MDC members and MOD staff will turn off their videos if they're not speaking in order to assist in the interpreting process. It allows you to see the interpreter's tile larger on the screen. We thank you all for joining us. And now I'd like to ask our
Yes, uh, so for roll call, I believe Alex Madrid is absent, um, but we have Orchid Sasuni. Here. Sherry Albers. Here. Denise Senhawks. Here. Helen Smolinski. Here. Jashawn Lewis-Woods. Here. And Ananya Tandon-Verma. Here. And that concludes roll call. Thank you, clerk. Number two on our agenda is an action item, the reading and the approval of the agenda. Clerk, could you please read the agenda? Yes, uh, so for item number one, we have welcome and roll call. Um, item number two is the reading and the approval of the agenda. Item number three is general public comment. Item number four uh, is an information item, the co-chair report. Item number five is a report from the mayor's office on disability. Uh, item number six, uh, we have a presentation on the implementation of accessibility commitments regarding JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park uh, being presented by Lucas Tobin and Brian Stokel from the San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department. Item number six is a presentation on the future of the Great Highway closure, also being presented by Lucas Tobin and Brian Stokel from the San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department. Uh, number, item number eight is correspondence. Item number nine is general public comments. Item number 10 is council member comments and announcements. And item number 11 is adjournment. Thank you, clerk, for reading the agenda. Are there any council member questions or comments regarding the agenda? Please say aye if you approve the agenda. Aye. Aye. This is Jenny Seno. Aye. Helen Smolinski, aye. Great. Thank you to my fellow council members. Moving on to number three, public comment. Clerk, could you please open the meeting for general public comment? Yes, uh, we welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for public comment at the beginning and the end of the meeting, as well as after specific items on MDC agendas. Each comment is limited to three minutes, although comments may be limited to two minutes when there is a long queue of people waiting to make comments. At the end of the comment period, we will move on to the next commenter. If you want the council to respond to your comments after the meeting, 
please provide your contact information by email message to mdc at sfgov.org with the subject MDC comment reply request. You may also provide additional comments by email to this address or by calling 415-554-6789. Members of the public can join the meeting as a Zoom webinar participant and will be able to make public comment directly during the public comment periods. Members of the public can join the webinar by using the Zoom link. <clears throat> and they can also join the webinar by using a telephone by dialing 669-900-6833. If you join the webinar using your computer or tablet or smartphone Zoom app, click on the three horizontal dots icon and then click on the raise hand icon. You will be recognized when it's your turn. You can also use the Q&A feature in Zoom webinar to be recognized or to make a comment. If you wish to be recognized, type into the Q&A box that you want to make a comment and hit send. You can also type your comment into the Q&A box and the clerk will read it for you. If you're joining by phone, dial star nine when you want to be recognized. You will be prompted when it's your turn to make comments. We welcome suggestions about how to make the MDC meetings more accessible. Please send an email to mod at sfgov.org. If you need assistance accessing the meeting, please call 415-919 9562, or you can send an email to mdc at sfgov.org. At this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that are not on this meeting agenda. For agenda items, you will have an opportunity to address the council when that item is reached during the meeting. The Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda, including those items raised by public comment. Um, so we look at the participants. Um, it does look like multiple members of the public would like to make a comment. Um, so at this time, William Railing, um, you have been permitted to unmute and you may make your comment. Good afternoon. This is William Railing for Accessible San Francisco, um, which is an unincorporated nonprofit association. Um, today's meeting is devoted to discussing some very uh, very important issues for accessibility in the future of San Francisco. And uh, I just wanted to use this public comment to touch base on a few ongoing areas of concern, which may not be as weighty, but uh, our hope is that they are things that will continue to be discussed uh, later this year, throughout this year. Um, a year ago, January 2022, we had a, a presentation from the uh, 
a rideshare company on their progress in providing wheelchair accessible vehicles as part of their services. I think that was a very important discussion, but one that needs to be followed up on to see how things are, are progressing. Uh, we've had various reports, pro and con. Um, in a similar area of transportation, you know, the, 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 uh, the MDC has discussed the coming of autonomous vehicles, which, uh, you know, initially the concern, of course, is uh, are they going to be a problem for pedestrians with disabilities? Uh, but uh, it, the the companies have progressed quite a bit. Um, and as many of you may have noticed, there are now driverless uh, cars driving around, especially in the evenings uh, with, you know, completely empty cars, completely, you know, autonomously. And although this program is under the state uh, public utilities commission uh, jurisdiction, I think it's worth asking, is it okay for a private company to set up a new transportation company and from the get-go not provide any accessibility whatsoever? Uh, the, the companies are clearly heading toward approval to uh, operate as essentially taxis. Um, so I hope that's something that can be considered. Um, the shared spaces program, uh, as these shared spaces transition into the permanent program, I, I, I still see uh, uh, a great many accessibility problems and a lot of restaurants that aren't providing accessible seating. Uh, and we continue to get reports of this. So I hope that this is also something that can continue to be monitored uh, and discussed throughout the year. Thank you very much. Thank you for that public comment. Clerk, who is next? Um, it doesn't look like any other. Oh, actually, never mind. Uh, Richard Scaff, um, you have been permitted to unmute and you may make your comment. Good afternoon. Um, my name is Richard Scaff. I'm the executive director of uh, 501c3 nonprofit designing accessible communities. In this um, public comment period, I just wanted to verify, I copied and pasted an email I sent to Nicole Bone, the director of Mayor's Office on Disability. Uh, it was an email to the commission, um, and I'm hoping the commissioners and members of the public read the email that I've copied and pasted within the uh, comment um, page uh, on this um Zoom webinar. Um, I'm, I want to make sure people can see it, both the commission members and the public. Uh, can the public see it? It, uh, Richard, we got it. It will get read during the public comment section um, after that item on the agenda, the Golden Gate Park item. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any further public comment? I believe that concludes public comment.
Very good. We're on to item number four on the agenda. Since the November MDC meeting, the MDC hosted a holiday gathering on December 9th. It was a very successful event with many members of the disability community and city employees involved in disability access and attendance. Many thanks to the MOD staff for making that event happen. And we hope to do that again next year, or actually this year, we're already in 2023. It was a really a great event. Moving on to item number five, report from the mayor's office on disability. Please note that the director's reports to the MDC can be found in the news section of the MOD website. Debbie, are you ready to take it? Yeah, um, good afternoon, everybody. Um, Nicole Bond usually, as you know, gives this report. She is at a meeting at City Hall and will is actually probably on her way to attend this meeting right now and asked me to give this report on her behalf um, since she's not in the meeting right now. So um, today's um, director's report provides a snapshot of some of the core issues that MOD has been engaged in since the most recent public hearing. Um, Please um, follow up with us on any items that we uh, talk about in this report. And um, we also are providing to you in this report some recommendations regarding future agenda issues that you might wish to consider. Um, and as um, Orchid mentioned, the, this report is available online at the uh, MOD website. And uh, I apologize for this weird thing with my video that Zoom does every once in a while. I've never seen anybody else have this happen to them. And it's only Zoom while it's gone. Anyhow, for those of you who couldn't see that lovely weird weirdness, it looked like a little electric light show going on on my screen for a few seconds, it comes and goes. Uh, I apologize. So um, the report starts with legislative updates for this month, uh, January, 2023. One of the major issues that MOD has been involved in heavily is a um, proposed proposal from Supervisor Mandelman on limiting teleconferencing and remote public comment at meetings of Board of Supervisors and its committees. Um, this item is expected to come up um, in the Rules Committee at 10 a.m. Uh, a week from Monday, January 27th. If passed, this legislation would discontinue remote public comment by members of the public at meetings of the board and its committees. 
except as legally required to enable people with disabilities to participate in meetings. Um, this legislation is um, triggered by um, the um, discontinuation of the emergency orders that permitted city bodies to legally meet virtually um, rather than online. Um, that emergency order will be lifted as of March 1st and all public bodies will be required to meet in person. Um, and the uh, city attorney has issued very detailed guidance to everybody in the city about how this will be implemented. Um, there of course is a legal requirement for reasonable modifications of regular processes in order to uh, provide equally effective access for people with disabilities. And so this legislation would um, establish a reasonable modification um, possibility. And um, the mayor's office on disability has been providing advice to board of supervisors and working very directly with other parts of the city in order to make all this work and to come up with a request process. Um, mm -hmm. As mentioned in previous director's reports, the Community Alliance of Disability Advocates is asking for continuation of all meetings for remote public access and not just by people with disabilities as a request for a reasonable modification. So um, we strongly encourage members of the council to engage on this item um, to attend the hearing on the 27th because this will have a very significant impact on our public engagement process. Another issue that we have been engaged in um, and was mentioned in one of the earlier public comments is affects shared spaces. There's um, a new ordinance that limits issues, issuance of fines for violations on some businesses utilizing outdoor dining, but it does maintain the ability to fine for physical access for persons with disabilities and first responder access. Um, the permanent shared spaces program takes effect in March of 2020 this year. Um, and um, the deadline to, for businesses to apply for shared space permanent program was January 15th. Um, and you all, the council has been very active in monitoring shared spaces and advocating for accessibility and um, you may wish to continue 
your um, active uh, overview of this program. In state legislation, um, the CPUC, California Public Utilities Commission, um, approved a permanent operating permit for crews to be able to operate autonomous or driverless vehicles. Um, and additional approvals are under consideration. MOD is very involved together with um, SFMTA in supporting the accessibility of um, autonomous vehicles. We have met with uh, different autonomous vehicle companies and um, are involved at the CEPC level in advocating for both safety and accessibility as this program gets rolled out in San Francisco. In addition, um, we have been involved in advocating at the PUC level also um, how the um, transportation network company um, Access for All program is being carried out. Um, and that involves numerous proceedings at the Public Utilities Commission level where we've been very, we've been expressing very strong concerns about availability of accessible vehicles and the amount of time it takes for riders to get picked up. Um, regarding federal legislation, um, the report includes um, a description of several federal rulemakings that we are expecting will be opened up this spring uh, about accessibility of medical diagnostic equipment, other equipment and furniture, web accessibility, sidewalks, curb ramps, street crossing, and other pedestrian facilities. Um, since these are all issues that we hear complaints about from constituents and know uh, how we know the, the significant impact that all of these issues have on people with disabilities in San Francisco. We expect to be making public comment, possibly in partnership with other city departments, and we will keep you abreast of opportunities for filing public comments to the federal government. Um, as announced um, by ORCID earlier in the meeting, the February 17th MDC meeting will be a joint meeting with the Disability and Aging Commission. That will be a virtual meeting also, and it will focus on the Aging and Disability Affordable Housing Needs Assessment. Um, the um, council will also 
be able to learn more about the age and disability friendly San Francisco implementation plan and work group at that report and um, disability and aging uh, services department will also provide updates about their new disability resources um, page on their website that provides up-to-date listings of many, many disability resources within the city. And um, you also will hear an update about plans to move forward with the Disability Culture and Community Center. Additional agenda items that you may wish to um, focus on in future meetings are um, the issue of safe passage, street crisis, and accessibility. Um, in August, we presented to the Emergency Management Policy Group within the city on problems that we are aware of regarding accessibility and the impact on people with disabilities of street conditions, both for people who are trying to pass safely on sidewalks and also for people with disabilities living on the streets. And we encourage you to think about including that on your agenda. We also are planning a presentation in March at your request on the citywide digital accessibility and inclusion standard. And we also encourage continued work and involvement of the Disability Employment Committee. Um, looking at, we would um, encourage you to look at citywide data collection efforts regarding employees with disabilities, accommodation provision for employees, and um, better employee-focused resources for ASL interpretation. Um, and so that um, pretty much summarizes the report from the director, and um, we thank you for your continued partnership with MOD. Thank you, Debbie. There's one piece of information I'd like to add. So the public needs to know where to find this information online. You can go to www.sf.gov slash MOD. And on the MOD webpage, you would look for the disability categories. And that's where you can find information. A lot of new information is updated there periodically. Great. Let's move on then to agenda item six. It's a discussion item regarding the implementation of accessibility commitments 
regarding JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park. This will be presented by Lucas Tobin and Brian Stokel of the San Francisco Recreation and Park Department. Also, we're going to, we, after the presentation, we'll have public comment, then comment from the committee members, and then we'll like to hear from the MOD. So after the presentation, we'll first hear from the public, then from the council members, and, and uh, members of the public, please indicate your interest in making a comment by using the raise hand feature. Lucas, take it away. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us here today. Um, and I believe Brian is going to share his screen. Uh, yeah, I, it's saying I can't share my screen right now. Can you enable my sharing of my screen? Whoever's got the administrative control. And well, while we're getting that set up, uh, I will introduce introduce us. Um, I'm Lucas Tobin, uh, ADA coordinator for programmatic access. And I'm joined today by Brian Stokel, who is a planner with our capital and planning division. It looks like the slides are coming up now. Can you see it? No, it just said, oh, here, there it is. Oh, great. Great. All right, you can, you can go ahead to slide number two. And we'll go over the agenda for today. Um, we're going to be covering the items from the MDC resolution. Uh, and we'll also cover items from our general accessibility commitments that were not necessarily included in the MDC resolution. Um, we'll present the, the items in three parts. Uh, starting with where we are now, meaning things that have already been accomplished. Uh, then items that are in the works, meaning projects that have been approved um, are in design or have proposals submitted. And then finally, items that are still to come, which are projects that we're committed to doing, but they need more planning and or funding to get, to get started. There are a lot of items to cover, so we apologize in advance for the number of slides, uh, but we're excited to present today because, as you'll see, most of the items on your resolution and in our general commitments fall into the completed or at least in the in the works categories. Um, so now I'll hand it over to Brian to get us started. Hi, thanks, uh, Lucas. Glad to be here with everybody. Um, we're going to start off with accessible parking. There's an image here of the new parking lot with a blue uh, crosswalk into the new parking lot. Um, so we had, um, as many of you may know, but just want to make sure we cover this in the spring of 2022. We rebuilt the parking lot at, behind the band shell at uh, the music concourse. Used to be often a place for buses. And as the image you see here, there is a smaller image on the left showing construction that it was ripped up 
last spring and it was repaved 100% with uh, 20 uh, new uh, parking stalls for the general for accessible spaces as well as several uh, uh, operational parking spaces as well as uh, a number of sidewalks and crosswalks and also wayfinding signage to get to destinations in the area. Um, we've noticed that it's it's often full, but sometimes it's not, but it's definitely getting generally used. And uh, be with the adaptive boat bike program nearby, um, users have been saying that they are really happy with this parking lot in the this location. Um, as I mentioned, there were 20 accessible spaces added here, and there are eight that we also added along MLK Drive near the concourse, as well as near the Conservatory of Flowers and the Tennis Center on MLK and Nancy Pelosi. And uh, we also added a shuttle stop in the accessible parking lot. And overall, there's a net gain in the total parking blue zone accessible parking spots based on compared to pre-COVID levels. Moving on to the music concourse garage management. We, uh, in, in November, there was Proposition N. It passed, it gives us greater flexibility as a department along with our partners MTA for the city to manage the existing privately owned uh, Golden Gate Park underground parking facility. I'll um, address this a little bit later, but basically it uh, allows the department and the city to uh, initiate, uh, address conditions here and better manage the lot, including accessible spaces. Next up, we have shuttle services and paratransit. Um, on the shuttle service, we uh, last March 2022, we expanded the shuttle service to seven days a week. Previously, it was only on weekends and holidays. And the new seven day a week service, all shuttles have a accessible lift for uh, wheelchair spots in the shuttle. There are now three shuttles on Saturdays and Sundays, plus holidays. And there's two shuttles Monday through Friday. The Monday through Friday runs from 12 noon to 6 p.m., while the shuttles on the weekends are from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. However, on the next slide, um, I want to note, here's the lift in action at the lodge. It's a, showing a picture of a gentleman um, entering the lift at street level and then being lifted into the vehicle. And then recently, um, starting in December, with many of the light uh, shows, including the entwined lights at Peacock Meadow, we have extended shuttle service into the evenings to 8 p.m., uh, this service uh, will run until March. And note that this service in, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. is an on-call service with a, you can either uh, text or phone a number that's provided on, on our website and on all the uh, shuttle stop signs. This addresses uh, many, what I've covered here, many of the shuttle access 
initiatives we have, as well as the MDC's conditions regarding shuttle service. Uh, the image on slide 12 is the SF paratransit logo. And um, since fairly early in the Golden Gate Park Act access and safety program, um, we ensured that marked paratransit vans would be allowed on all the closed roads in the park, including JFK, uh, so they could provide curb-to-curb -curb service. Um, the only other vehicles allowed on JFK are recreation and parks maintenance ve vehicles and deliveries for the DeYoung and other institutions. And the, the next section um, talks about uh, the MDC resolution discussed a few things having to do with our website and communication access. Um, so the images on slide 14 are a check mark with a and a blue circle with WCAG 2.0 inside. Um, first, our website is compliant with Web Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.0. But of course, the important thing is how content is added to the website. Um, we do check for accessibility when we're adding new content, uh, but we're also planning a new training um, to create a new an updated training for content providers uh, by fall 2023 and then um, uh, implementing the training annually after that. Uh, the MDC resolution discussed the need for text information whenever visual information is given on the website. And the image on slide 15 is an example screenshot from our website showing a map of Golden Gate Park and the closed roads in green. And then slide 16 is a sample of the text information that's under the map shown in the previous slide. Uh, this is just a, a sample um, and it's titled, it's the section that's titled, how do I drive to my favorite spots in the park? explaining how to get to the museums, the tea garden, and the music concourse by car. Um, and all this information is in the Golden Gate Park getting there section of the website. Uh, so you can access it by going to the Golden Gate Park page and then clicking on the getting there link to see this information. Uh, so that's just a sample. There's a, it's, you know, takes, it takes several pages, several slides to show all of it. Um, so also map direction and map applications have been updated to include the shuttle in, in directions. Um, so the image on this slide, which is on uh, slide 17, is an example of a trip from 18th and Castro to Stowe Lake. Um, and the map shows how you can connect to the Golden Gate Park shuttle as part of the directions visually and in the step-by-step -step directions. Um, and this slide also has the Apple Maps, Google Maps, and Transit app logos on it. The MDC resolution discussed providing multiple ways for people to get information uh, about accessibility and how to get to specific locations in the park. And this slide shows hey, how Lucas, people can- Can you hold on just one second? We're getting the interpreter sure. Uh, situated. Oh, sure. Okay. If you could start that slide over again, that'd be great. Thank sure. you. Sure. So we're on slide 18 and um, the MDC resolution discussed providing multiple ways for people to get information about accessibility and how to get to specific locations in the park. 
Um, so this slide shows how people can contact us to get information other than just going to the website. So the first email address is our new email address for people to request accessibility information and accommodations along with my phone number. The email address is rpdaccess at sfgov.org. Um, and the phone number is my number. And I'm excited to share that this is working. Um, I've gotten several phone calls from locals and out-of-town visitors asking for information about how to get to certain areas in the park. And most of the people are really excited to hear about the shuttle. Um, and really, uh, and then I, I usually send them the link to the website information um, as well. So this is, is working well. Um, the second is the email address for RPD info, which is rpdinfo at sfgov.org. Um, and the staff who monitor this email address and I work together to provide information to people about how to access different places in the park. Um, and then the third is 311.org or calling 311. Um, and this will also get to us, but it may just not be as, as fast as the other two uh, methods. So next I'll talk about outreach to the disability community. Um, the access and safety program included a lot of outreach to the disability and senior communities. Um, and one of the best examples was the shuttle workshop that we held um, in 2021, but there were over 16 engagements with the disability community just during that project. Uh, our commitments include ongoing outreach and inclusion of people with disabilities in projects in Golden Gate Park. Slide 21 includes some examples of outreach we're doing and how we stay connected to the disability and deaf communities. Uh, we've been doing quarterly check-ins with MOD for several years. Um, there's some talk about increasing the frequency. And we have committed to being available for quarterly updates to the MDC, um, but we know that you have a very busy schedule. And so we'll wait to, to get an invitation like we did for this meeting. Um, most of the accessibility work that we're currently doing or in the planning stages for is the direct result of input from the disability community groups or individuals with disabilities. And um, since the access and safety program, we've done more proactive outreach and we acknowledge that this is the best approach, um, but also wanna, wanna point out that the system that's in place where people can communicate with us through the MOD or directly to our ADA coordinators is, is effective. Um, and so I think it's important to note that Reckon Park has ongoing communication um, with the deaf and disability communities and relationships and collaborations with other disability organizations, such as support for families of children with disabilities, SFUSD special ed, uh, Bay Area Outreach and Recreation Program, and the Citywide Inclusion Collaborative. So next, I just wanted to give a quick update on the adaptive bike program. It's not something that is a result of a commitment, um, but we're in the recreation business and this is a recreation program for people with disabilities in Golden Gate Park. And it's showing great success since we reopened the program. Um, so the photos on slide 23 include people getting ready for uh, to go out on a ride 
in the uh, the new site for the adaptive bike program behind the bandshell. Uh, it's right where the bike and Segway rentals and food trucks are. Um, the the uh, other photo is someone riding a hand cycle in the music concourse. And then the photo on the bottom is a group of riders getting uh, on a variety of bikes um, and um, lining up for a photo at the entrance to the accessible parking lot. Uh, we moved the location of the bike program to the band shell and created a reservation system so people can reserve a bike that, that really is right for them. Um, the new site is right next to the accessible parking lot. Uh, food vendors, as I mentioned, and very important, also really right next to restrooms, um, which we didn't have with the old location. It's also a short ride through the music concourse to the JFK promenade. And a bonus of the new location is that it's right in the mix. Um, so people are seeing the bikes and stopping by to ask questions and learning about the program all the time. Uh, it's a prime location right there where everything happens in the park. And the bike program is also out at the Great Highway. It's, it's closed for the winter, but it'll be opening up again in the spring. Um, so providing access plans for events in Golden Gate Park was a commitment of the Golden Gate Park Access and Safety Program. Um, and we complete access plans for Rec and Park sponsored events and collaborative events. And we also have started working with outside event organizers like Hardly Strictly Bluegrass on their access plans. Our access plans are now included in the web page for the event and linked to from our e-news and other social media. And the plans cover accessibility information, uh, including visual maps and text information. So the image on slide 25 is the map that was used for the recent tree lighting event in December. Um, and this map shows accessible parking, the event route, and connections to parking in Muni, uh, the event route, the shuttle route for the event, and connections to parking in Muni, and also passenger loading zones. And slide 26 is, an, is a sample of the text information for the recent tree lighting event. Um, and the event access plans include getting to the event, parking at the event, shuttle service for the event, and we extend the, the shuttle hours and modify the route to serve the events, um, and also how, how you get around the event and information on event activities, accessibility information on event activities, um, front of line passes, and ASL interpreters, and also how to re request other accommodations. And the photos on slide 27 show the shuttle during our Halloween event uh, that took place on JFK for the first time this last October, um, as well as uh, passenger loading zone that we created. Um, and the passenger loading zones have been one of the biggest hits for recent events. Um, the temporary loading zones, even while I'm setting them up, people see see them and start uh, dropping people off in them you know ubers and lifts and and private vehicles just start dropping people off in those in the loading zones hours before the event even has started um, providing a community shuttle was one of the equity initiatives for the access and safety program 
uh, and it focused on bringing people or focuses on bringing people from equity zones to throughout the city to Golden Gate Park. Um, and beginning last summer, the program brought kids from areas of the city that don't have easy access to the park, to the De Young Museum and to other uh, Golden Gate Park sites. And the reason I mentioned the, the, this program is that the program also brought kids with disabilities and deaf kids to the park. Um, so the photos on slide 29 uh, show a staff person and a child from our American Sign Language Day Camp inside the De Young Museum and a child from our Everybody Plays Day Camp interacting with the monumental reckoning exhibit in the music concourse. Um, so the program big, brings the kids to the park, but it also gives them free passes for transportation and attractions so they can act as ambassadors and bring their families back with them. All right, so the next section is projects that have not been impl implemented yet, but are in, in the works. Uh, so I'll hand it back over to Brian. Thanks, Lucas. And great to see all those things that have, have been implemented, just as a reminder. Um, these are the in-the-works projects that we are actively working on to implement um, and should be coming um, sooner than later. Um, this is uh, slide 31. Um, there's an image on the bottom an example of a future shuttle map that will be, it's a draft, but it will be used inside the shuttle to allow people inside the shuttle to gain awareness of where the shuttle goes and um, where the stops are. Um, many, there are many work items in the works for the shuttle stops. Uh, we are planning permanent shuttle stop improvements, which will include accessible landing pads, paved landing pads in concrete or asphalt, depending on the location. They will all be equipped with benches. And we are also developing uh, bus stop poles with information on them so that you can uh, see that where each stop is from a bit of a distance. But also when you're at the stop, you can learn more information about the frequency of the shuttle and other park information. As I mentioned, in the vehicles, we're doing some other improvements we're planning. One is uh, installing the maps that I've shown. We're in the review process for that, and we'll be making sure that that gets um, accessibility review for visual, visual requirements. Um, we're working with our vendor for having audio announcements so that when you are in the shuttle, there's an auto audio announcement indicating the next stop when it is arriving and what the name of it is, as well as visual destination signs, um, both on the outside of the vehicle called the header, you know, above the windshield, so that you can see which direction the shuttle's going, as well as uh, inside the vehicle, so the um, information could be transmitted visually there. Both of those have the capacity also to transmit other text-oriented information about the park or special events so that we can communicate with people using those tools in the vehicle. So those are coming in the coming months. Uh, lastly, with this shuttle schedule, um, 
we're as mentioned in the uh, completed work, we're really happy that you can use the different online services to uh, know how to connect to the shuttle, whether you're coming from Muni, walking, whatever. However, it's based on a schedule now. However, we are in the works with our vendor to install, have it have real-time passenger information, essentially knowing exactly where the shuttle is and how long it will be coming, not just on a fixed schedule, but actually based on uh, where the shuttle is at that moment. That's similar to what um, SFMTA's Muni service already has. So we're we're trying we're well on our way to getting that uh, worked on. Lucas. Okay. Yes. Uh, thanks, Brian. Slide thirty-two is more about event access. Um, in twenty twenty-one, Debbie Kaplan and I worked with an intern from SF State on an event accessibility toolkit. Um, and the outcome of that project was a toolkit of resources for event organizers. Um, and slide 32 shows the page from the city's website where the resources live. Uh, and we just found out that we'll be getting another intern this spring to complete phase two of the project, which will be a checklist as part of our permits process to ensure that event organizers who are who are doing events on recreation and parks property um, will complete appropriate access plans for their events. Um, this will be helpful citywide um, to make sure event organizers are following correct accessibility gu guidelines and especially in Golden Gate Park. Uh, another thing that's in the works and really excited to announce is that we're in the process of adding a new member I'm waiting for the interpreters to switch. Um, so I'll start over with this slide. Um, I'm very excited to announce that we're in the process of adding a new member to our accessibility team at Recreation and Parks. Um, we are working on hiring a disability access co coordinator, which is another commitment from, from the access and safety program. And this slide shows the disability access coordinator alongside Alexis Ward, who's the ADA coordinator for physical access, and myself, ADA coordinator for programmatic access. And really, for all the work he's been doing over the last few years, uh, Brian should be up there as well. Um, he's definitely become an invaluable member of the team. Um, so the position's been approved, and we're moving forward with it, and we hope to be announcing the position in the coming months um, and begin the recruitment for our new team member. As, uh, thanks, Lucas. As I mentioned um, before, uh, the, ledge, the ballot initiative passed for the Music Concourse Garage just this past November. And we are working on a whole package with the MCCP, which is the organization that currently manages the garage now that the ballot initiative has passed. Um, so this is an element that's going to be uh, developed. As you can see in the photographs on the left is the image of the parking garage in the uh, de Young portion of it with the green paint next to uh, accessible parking spots, as well as on the right-hand side is in the Cal Academy side, which has orange paint. 
and some accessible parking spaces in a crosswalk. Note that it does say this is where a pay station is, and we're fully aware that uh, much of the effort is to address um, the payment and the possibility of uh, addressing uh, disabled parking. Is it possible to have free parking within the garage for uh, disabled parking stalls for people with the uh, placards? So we're committed to continuing outreach to the disability community, similar to what we did during the access and safety program, uh, like I mentioned earlier. And what we're focusing on is the model of inviting people to come out to the park, you know, either virtually or in person and provide input um, for, for different projects. And this is a model that was used in the site tours we did as part of the access and safety program. Um, so the photo on slide 36 is from one of the accessibility site tours we did as part of that program. Um, and we also piloted bringing people in virtually, which worked well. So we definitely plan on doing that again. And the next project we are um, working on um, for this is a joint Rec and Park and MOD wayfinding project um, that we just proposed to the SF Fellows program. So we, we're hoping that that's uh, gonna come through. And the image on that slide, I uh, forgot to mention, is from one of those uh, tours, or maybe I did mention that. Um, we're also in the planning phase for a barrier, barrier removal project at the Botanical Garden Bookstore. Um, and slide 37 is a photo of the bookstore. And I'm just mentioning this project because it's another Golden Gate Park access project that's in the works. Um, and it was a result of feedback from a member of the public. And uh, because it'll take some time to do the barrier removal, you know, actual construction for the, the project, we're going to um, implement some programmatic solutions um, until the ramp can be built. Um, the Stowe Lake perimeter path renovation is also a barium removal project. It is not one, of, as uh, Lucas mentioned on some of these items, they weren't uh, part of the MDC resolution, but um, we feel they're really critical to update you guys on. Um, and it is a, uh, we'll be renovating the existing path surrounding Stowe Lake, um, its entire perimeter. And it will also include um, upgrading and uh, improving furnishings, benches, picnic tables to achieve ADA compliance. Uh, the construction will be performed in two phases so that half of the perimeter path will be open at all times. And uh, no work will be occurring in the immediate area in front of the boathouse. However, as shown in the photograph on the left, the ramp from the boathouse parking area near the where there's a restroom building in the boathouse itself that will be getting an upgrade um, and the image on the right shows a path with a little bit of uh, pooling of water that um, next to the lake that's just an example of the path uh, which does need improvements because of its surfacing this will um, improve the path itself as well as the ramp from the parking lot The 
next uh, section we're going to talk about is path of travel improvements along the JFK corridor. Um, this was part of one of the requests in the MDC resolution. Um, we will be, we're in right now in the planning phase and design phase of replacing curb ramps along the JFK promenade. This also includes improving crosswalks at the Conservatory Drive East and West and the Pompeii uh, Circle near uh, the Dahlia Dell. Uh, the other area that will be included is uh, the Stanion Street si sidewalk from just south of Hayes Street down to JFK Drive. Um, we'll be building uh, in the initial higher priority priority locations, which is shown on the map. There is a map of uh, the northeastern portion of Golden Gate Park with yellow circles around the Stanion Street work between Hayes and JFK, as well as the intersections of JFK and Conservatory Drive East and uh, at Nancy Pelosi and Pompeii Drive Circle as they approach JFK Drive. And finally, the intersection is highlighted at Conservatory Drive West. Um, I will note that much of this area on the east, very far eastern portion was the paths in between were repaved on extensive areas of this map. Um, and then there are other areas that we are designing that uh, further to the west, um, but uh, those improvements, physical um, implementation are pending funding. Okay, we made it. We made it to our still to come section. Um, so now we're going to talk about some projects that are on the horizon, but that we're just not that we're at the very beginning stages of. So we're not quite. They're not quite in the works yet. Um, so the first is that we're working on access to the Conservatory of Flowers for people who drive private vehicles, including a passenger loading zone close, close by. Um, there are areas in the middle of the park that have fewer, way fewer blue zones in them. And Brian started to study this and we've had some preliminary discussions with the senior disability action. Um, so that's something that we're, we will be focusing on. Um, we're still investigating the mapping project for the park. Um, but we're working on finding a designer and also on the funding for this project. Uh, but once we have maps, we will we'll provide the maps in accessible formats, such as tactile, uh, large print and braille. Um, the MDC resolution discussed providing information on the website in America. Well, first audio description for website videos. Um, that's something that, uh, that we're definitely planning to uh, to work on and um, uh, maybe part of an upcoming project um, with some SF State students um, that we're calling a no, no before you go project. Um, and um, uh, so we, we are um, looking into doing audio description for website videos. Um, but uh, the resolution also did talk about um, providing information on the website in American Sign Language for deaf people. And um, currently, 
we provide visual information, text information, and captioning for videos. Um, and like I said, we're looking into using videos for wayfinding information, which would be ca captioned and audio described. Um, but I really do like the idea of providing directions in ASL. Um, we've used ASL videos for announcing some programs and events in the past um, for our deaf programs. And so it's definitely something that we'll explore. And that is all for our JFK initiatives update. Thanks so much. I know it was a lot of slides, but we really appreciate your uh, listening and watching. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your patience and listening. Orchid here. Thank you so much for all of this information. It was very, very informative, a lot for us to digest. So again, first we will open up for public comment. Then we'll open it up to council members for their comment. And then thirdly, we'll ask the, the MOD if they have comment. I believe we have a public comment lined up. Please proceed. Yes, uh, so just a reminder to the public, um, you can make a public comment um, using your computer or tablet or the smartphone Zoom app by um, using the raise hand feature. You can also use the Q&A feature in the Zoom webinar to be recognized or to make a comment. Um, if you wish to be recognized, you can type in the, the Q&A box that you would like to make a comment and hit send. You can also type your comment into the Q&A box and the clerk will read it for you. And if you're joining by phone, you can dial star nine. Uh, so it does look like there's at least one member of the public that would like to make a comment. Um, so Richard Scaff, you have been permitted to unmute yourself and you may speak. I um, have written an email and attached it to the chat section or um, the question and answer section. So you'll have that. Um, I'm concerned um, and I'd like to read this. The closing of John F. Kennedy Drive in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park has had a substantially negative impact on people with disabilities who were employed at facilities within the park as they are now unable to drive or be driven to their place of employment within the park. You have seen the attachment Howard um, has sent you um, from uh, the uh, San Francisco ARC uh, about their members who have lost their jobs that used to be in Golden Gate Park. It, the golden, closing of Golden Gate Park uh, JFK Drive has also had a significant impact on vulnerable seniors and people with disabilities as they can no longer drive and park near the venues they wish to visit. This has effectively removed their access to the park and its public accommodations, which in my opinion is a violation of state and federal civil rights laws and regulations. The closing of the park's um, main thoroughfare has caused a loss of independence and civil rights for many members of the senior and disability communities. The decision by the San Francisco mayor and board of supervisors to glow John F. Kennedy Drive in Golden Gate Park is absolutely unacceptable and a clear violation of the civil rights of vulnerable seniors and people with disabilities. It is unconscionable for the mayor and board of supervisors to take such an action, especially considering the negative impact it has had on the community. And their decision to close that street to vehicles illustrates a complete disregard for the rights and needs 
of those vulnerable seniors and people with disabilities who want to visit the park, but are now unable to do so. Um, Thank you. Well, I'm not through yet. Uh, the action taken by Mayor and Board of Supervisors is a clear indication of their position regarding the rights of vulnerable seniors and people with disabilities, and it is not acceptable. Many in the Bay Area communities of vulnerable seniors, and it is a Bay Area issue, uh, are no longer able to visit, uh, able to access many of the important sites and venues within Golden Gate Park due to the decisions and actions to close JFK Drive to vehicles by Mayor Breed and Board of Supervisors. And fi I find that they have shown a clear and intended disregard of our civil rights. Many of us will be taking any and all actions necessary to assure that the mayor and board members will be held accountable for that tra uh, travesty. You, the mayor's disability county, uh, council, must find a stand, must take a stand and speak out loudly about the closing of JFK Drive. You are members of the council put there to speak up or speak out about issues that affect the disability community, which includes many, dis many seniors, by the way. If you decide to not take any real, visible, and effective action opposing the closing of JFK Drive, you clearly can't and don't represent what the majority of people with disabilities and vulnerable seniors want and need. And if that's the case, why is there a need for this council? I certainly hope that won't be the case. I also want to say um, that in your council resolution of 2022-01, you had a section that supported um, a decision by a small group of people with disabilities that thought the closing was fine. The problem with that in your resolution is that it, it suggests that it's okay for the Board of Supervisors and Mayor to take that effort and close that street because of that small group of people. Instead, we have a majority of people, residents in San Francisco, and those of us that don't live in the city, but have been using Golden Gate Park, paid memberships in uh, the D. Young Museum and the Academy of Science, and no longer can access those facilities because of the reduction, actually the complete removal of access um, by the city. Um, I, I am also concerned, I have no idea, nor have I ever been shown, the background and technical knowledge and training of the park and rec um, ADA coordinators. I want to know what the transition and self-evaluation plan for Rec and Park speaks to with regard to Golden Gate Park and the closing of JFK. And I would like to know, does Rec and Park hold yearly meetings with the disability community? So to allow us to give input as far as priorities for the next year's projects, I haven't heard anything about that. So there are a number of issues I've raised in the question and answer section that Ms. Kaplan said she will ask, so I will stop at this point. Thank you for letting me speak. Thank you. 
Do we have any further public comment? Please use the raise hand feature. Um, at this time, I don't see any other members of the public that would like to make a comment. So that concludes our public comment section. Very well. We'll now move to any comments from members of the MDC. Again, please use the raise hand feature if you'd like to share a comment. This is, this is for council members only at this point. And then you, when recognized, you can unmute yourself and share your comments. Sherry, please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Um, this is Sherry Albers and I am um blind and member of that community um and thank you um for lucas and brian for the presentation it was um a lot of information <laughs> thank you um but my questions focus um i'll just leave i'll focus around one point right now um about the shuttle um i wish i had been a part of the outreach program in 2021. I don't remember anything about it. Um, I would have had a lot to say. <laughs> um, but at this point, um, I do want to say thank you for um, including uh, the um, forthcoming um, announcement of stops that will be um, implemented um, while when people are on the shuttle, that's very important. Um, also, um, you said they will be the shuttle schedule or the will be implemented into. Um, are you? I want to clarify this on an app. Is that what you're saying? You said an online app um, format. Is that like a transit app? Uh, yes, that it's currently in the transit, the three apps we mentioned, Apple Maps, Google Maps, and Transit app. Um, it's currently set up to show what the fixed schedule is. However, okay. once we get the technical um, IT stuff installed on the shuttles, we'll actually have real-time information for when the shuttles will arrive. Okay. All right. I, I couldn't read that on this on the slide if that was written because the slide was not read out loud. So, um, so if the if the schedule is listed on an app, um, is there a problem with the shuttles not adhering to the schedule right now? Or um, because I heard at one point you mentioned that they are on an on demand. Um, mode or is that was that only for one um event uh, the on demand is only in the evenings during the winter months from 6 p.m to 8 p.m for the entwined lights um feature as well as other evening features during the winter months okay so otherwise, otherwise the shuttle only runs from noon to six during the week Correct, and then 9 a.m. to 6 during Saturday and Sunday and holidays. 
Okay. And then what designates um, a shuttle stop? Currently, there is a temporary shuttle stop sign, which is on a A-frame or sandwich board sign, whichever you prefer to call it. And it's got a, a bright green uh, look to it that on one side has a big giant logo that says um, shows a bus and a lot of information, as well as the other side that shows a map. But we're working to get, as mentioned in the presentation, permanent shuttle stop sign poles that would be within the shuttle stop zone where the new landing pads would be and they would be fully ADA compliant for both um, physical and visual and audio disabilities. Okay, and so for me as a blind person, how am I gonna locate a shuttle stop? Um, that's a challenge right now. Um, I, we'll definitely want, that's why we wanna work on addressing that mm -hmm. uh, with the permanent shuttle stop signs. Okay, and oh, sorry, I sure, yeah. as you mentioned, you're going to be seeking out um, developing a tactile map of some sort for the park. Yeah, we're we're working on um, mapping a, a whole mapping project for the park, and then once we have a good map, um, then we'll be working with the lighthouse to provide um, maps in large print, uh, in braille and tactile formats. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, so that is a, you know, so it's a big project because first mm -hmm. we have to, you know, do, do uh, good mapping of the park in general with all the right. accessibility information and then, and then put it into those formats. Um, but they're great examples. I don't know if you've seen the, you know, what GGNRA has, um, and, um, so, you know, really good examples of what yeah. can be done. Oh yeah. With accessible um, formats. Absolutely. And then, um, incorporated in that would be the, the shuttle stops, um, I'm assuming in that absolutely. map. Also. Um, absolutely. yeah. So, um, then just further, uh, down that same theme, um, are there any, not the map theme, but will there are there any bodies, like physical bodies around for someone like me to ask a question? Because I've been to the park where I'm standing there like, and I, there's no one to ask. And um, it, it's really just, it's, it's really disconcerting because, you know, um, yeah. So I'm just going to say that. Um, is there going to be are there information people's booths or huts or something like that to go to where I can get shuttle information, where I can get directions? Because I don't want to keep just stopping random people and, you know, asking, you know, where can I get the shuttle? I'm just going to stay on the shuttle theme. Right. Well, yeah. And that's um, the, the, the plan is to, and we've done this with, um, to some extent, but making sure that the, the people working in the different institutions have that information, you know, mm -hmm. know, because we've heard situations where somebody has gone, 
you know, maybe into the De Young Museum and asked for information about the shuttle and they don't, they don't necessarily know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, exactly where the stops are or how frequently the shuttle what runs or something. So the, the plan is to really make sure that the people in the institutions have that information, um, as well as McLaren Lodge, uh, which of course is only open, you know, during like business hours, but still to make sure that the people at the front desk there are able to give out good information. Um, so that is that is a project we didn't um, didn't mention it, uh, but another really important project that uh, that we're going to be working on. We haven't uh, we yeah. haven't really done done much in that area yet. Because and so right now, you know, the answer is most of the information is on the website, um, and it is hard to, you know, unless you can find a park ranger um, or somebody there. There are not, you know, or gardeners or other people who work in the park. Of course, you know, they'll do their best to to help out, um, but there aren't there aren't like info booths or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so really, the institutions are the best place to to um, make sure that the people working there have the, you know are able to answer questions. Yeah. And I'm sorry to keep taking everybody's time here, but um, this, the one slide you showed, I don't know, if, I don't remember if it was slide 18 that had the three um, modes of contact with phone, email, and then three, one, one, where was that? Where could someone like just find that like really quickly or where was that located? And um, if I were just, out in the park um, and I had that information, would that be able, would I be able to like call that number? That's your number, Brian? Lucas, whose number my is that? My number, the number at the top was my number. That's your um, number, okay. Like, would I be able to call that you and and would and you would you be able to radio someone and find out like where the shuttle is and at any given point and, um, as you can tell, the shuttle is very important to me. <laughs> right. No, no, no. And, and to a lot of people. And it's yeah. I mean, Brian pointed out all the, the huge progress that's been made with the shuttle, but there's yeah. still there's still a lot more to come. And yeah. um, I I definitely can't say that I would be able to to do, you know, specifically what you're asking. Yeah. Um, but um so, you know, because it, take, it would take me, you know, getting the, the phone message and and trying to, uh, um, you know, contact the, Brian, who's in contact with the shuttle. You know, it's a it's a complicated um, thing to do. Um, yeah. But once we have the real time information, um, it really could be possible. It probably wouldn't be me, but we'd probably make sure it's the people, you know, at the front desk at McLaren Lodge or or something like that, that they could help out with that. Um, but, you know, and, and because being be, somebody who can use an app and have, you know, has the app on their phone and could use the app would be able to get the real time information, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't, that doesn't work for everybody, right? Not everybody has, um, right. has That's a cell phone or has, you know, mm -hmm. the ability to use those apps. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's, a, that's definitely a challenge, really good points and, um, but challenging, um, to, to set up a system that could work, especially when most people are going to want it, is going to be evenings and weekends, of course, when yeah, um, when we don't have as many staff available. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I've got for now, and I'll be looking forward to hearing some more updates. So thank you. We are happy thank to come back. Thank you.
Thanks, Sherry, for your excellent points. Sure, thank you. Uh, or any other, do any other council members have comments before I ask my question? Please use the raise hand feature if you do. Seeing none, this is Orchid here. I have a number of things myself, but I'll try to be terse if I can. This first has to do with the garage. The sliding doors that you use to access the the DeYoung Museum, I don't know if, if they need to be replaced in order for to have good access from the garage. And I'm wondering if that's part of the plan. And apparently there's some problems with the DeYoung because people often wait a long time if they're relying on the shuttle. And so I wonder if there's this sort of um, mistiming of people wanting to use the normal day-to-day -day services when there are also events happening. People come from all over the Bay Area, even as far as way from Fremont, and then they get there not knowing like the certain doors are going to be closed when that's where they get where they get dropped off. And they don't know what to do. Part of the problem is determining whose responsibility it is to get the this information out in a way that people can receive it. And just a moment. Um, there's another issue regarding lighting on the path. Sometimes Golden Gate Park staff who are doing maintenance park across the path and they and it's not a safe passage for pedestrians who may also need extra lighting to, to, to do wayfinding on the path. I've seen that myself where it's difficult to navigate a path when there's a parked vehicle across it. And you don't know, if you have to go around it, you don't know which way is the safer way in order to get back on the path on the other side of the vehicle. So that's another consideration they wanted to throw out there as part of safety and wayfinding. I also wanted to ask about the speed of bicyclists. Are you gonna have radar out there? Are you gonna have that little sign that says, this is your speed, please slow down? Um, sometimes I feel like I have to run like a chicken to make sure I get across the street safely because who knows what's coming. Will you will bicyclists be held to the same standards as the vehicles that are allowed? And I do have one more thing. Let me find my notes. Ramps are closed in a number of areas. I know that you're working on that. But the information you shared about the shuttle bus and the special requirement of it being on demand in the evenings. Uh, I think that that information is as well as how to access the service on Monday mornings, which is a big time when people with disabilities might be attending. Uh, they would need to have that information. Signage is another issue. It can be very confusing. Again, I know that, that you're working on the wayfinding, but these are and these are areas that I think are maybe on your plate already or on your radar already in the park. 
but I'd like to make sure that they stay there and that we see some positive improvements there along with the increase in accessible parking. It is great to see what you've already attained, but we do look forward to seeing progress on these other things as well. So that concludes my comments. The, oh, there were a lot of things that you that you brought up, um, Orchid, and um, uh, as far as the doors leading into the DeYoung Museum, um, I think that I've heard that there there may be an issue with those. And as far as I understand, the DeYoung is responsible for the maintenance of the facility. Brian may know more about this than I do, but um, but we can definitely make sure that they're aware if there's an issue with the doors. Um, yeah, I would say that um, historically, because the garage was privately owned and operated, in addition to the DeYoung being a separate entity, um, that was the situation now that um, the garage, we're in the transition to making it be managed by the city, obviously with a vendor, but um, we will, as Lucas mentioned, this is an opportunity for us to inform the DeYoung of this. And especially now that we'll be operating the garage as a city. Um, but I do, I do believe those doors are technically under the DeYoung's jurisdiction. Um, and then as far as maintenance vehicles blocking pathways, that is sometimes an issue that, that you see all over the place or delivery vehicles blocking, you know, blocking curb ramps and blocking pathways all over the city. Um, and that's something that the, probably the best way to, you know, either um, informing park rangers or, um, or 311, if you see something like that, um, because 311 will get back to the manager who can, you know, make sure the staff are being reminded, you know, being trained not to block pathways, accessible pathways. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I can speak to one of them about the, another one about the shuttle, yeah. um, about the wait times. One of the, before we, we, we have a new operator for the shuttle, which started in October. And I didn't mention this in the presentation. And under the old contract for the prior operator, there were no backup drivers during the driver's breaks. And so that created some of the, the longer wait times. Now we have under the new contract, all breaks have a reliever driver to ensure that the service stays on the same frequency, which is 15 minutes on weekends and uh, about 25 minutes on weekdays with the two shuttles. So um, I have not personally heard um, any complaints about that since, um, and but we are definitely open to hearing more constructive feedback as, as you provided. Also um, um, on about the, the on-call shuttle or on-demand shuttle, that that's a, this is a brand new thing that we're piloting um, for the, you know, like Brian was talking about for the evening um, 
concerts and other events, and as well as the entwined exhibit, um, so that people can can get to those things without, um, you know, using the shuttle even after hours at, at night when the events are happening or when the lights, you know, you can really see the lights for entwined. Um, and so it's a new thing that we're trying and what we're really hoping is that it's going to be work better for the public that, um, you know, to be able to call the shuttle when you actually need it and have it come to the stop that you're, you know, where you parked or where you're getting off of Muni, um, take you to your destination and then you can call it or text again afterwards and have them come and pick you up again. Um, but we don't have a whole lot of information yet um, about how well that's working. So we really invite people to, to come out and, and try it and let us know because um, we're really hoping this is something we could we can do more of if it works well and provides better service um, and more efficient service. So please, if you have any, um, if you if you give it a try and and uh, you know if anybody gives it a try, let us know um, how that how it works for you um, so that we can uh, you know keep doing it if it if it's working or you know change change it if we need to. Um, but the information is on the website, um, on the Golden Gate Park getting their website, uh, and then you click on the shuttle um, link for the website, and then it'll give you the first thing you'll see is the information about the on-call shuttle and what you do between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. to uh, to get the shuttle. I can respond to the question about bicycles and the speed of bicycles. Um, we we're definitely aware of the the speed that some bicycles take they um that are going quite fast and that that um creates um some conflicts for people of all abilities and ages who want to cross the street or who are walking along or a little child learning to ride a bike on the street as on jfk um one of the areas that we've had implemented was since October, um, there have been the uh, different interventions in the street, whether that's the doggy diner heads, the yellow dot with this ginkgo trees at Conservatory Drive East, or the whale and the murals. All of those things, especially the ones that are come up out of the street, not not so much the murals, the mosaic on the floor ground. They have we've noted that. Um, this has slowed a, a number of the bikes down to really demonstrate this is a space for, yes, for recreation, which might, may include riding your bike, but also for many other uses and that it's a space for people of all different ages and, and backgrounds and that this is not an area to go speeding through. But I know this is an area where we continue to monitor and there's room for adjustments and improvements. Thank you very much. That's all good news. I'd like to see if we have any other comments from council members. We do. Let's go to Denise and then we'll go back to Sherry after, after Denise is done. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank Lucas and uh, Brian for their presentations today and listening to the very 
um, council members. I appreciate as far as information and communication along with uh, wayfinding and, <coughs> excuse me, uh, signage, Did you, you did listen to um, some of the issues around those concerns. And as Orchid stated, pleased to have these issues, you know, on the forefront because I'm concerned I want everyone to be able to enjoy the park and access the park as well. Um, my concern Uh-oh, it looks like we lost Denise. Maybe her internet disconnected. Thank you. I'm sorry about that. I know, my phone. Uh, one of the things I'm concerned about is that uh, you mentioned getting back from the disability community. And one of the concerns that I'm, that I care about along with the council is because of this closure that everyone has access to. And what I'm understanding from some of the emails I've seen, some of the comments that I've heard, is that um, there, still, there still are some severe access issues that certain populations of the vulnerable communities aren't able to access. I can't speak about them because I don't know enough, but I think that if there is any segment Let's give it a moment and see if Denise's audio comes back. Sorry, sorry, I'm still here. So, yeah, can you see? Can you see me? Yes, okay. I can see you. Can you? Okay, sorry. Um, so, my concern is to address the issues that are brought up in public comments with regards to access issues for still people seniors and disabilities and people with disabilities who apparently were working at the park and older because of access issues, especially if the decision is made to permanently close, then it's going to impact people with disabilities as far as employment. Well, I would We've lost you again. Orca here. What, what are their access issues? And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what's happening with my phone. But I really want those issues addressed for seniors, people with disabilities that can't access the park for whatever reason that used to work there and lost gainful employment. Because if the decision is made, as I said before, to permanently close, that's going to Im impact people as far as money course employment is tied into that and access to the park and I want everybody to have an opportunity especially if a decision was made to close it then we have to address as much as the barriers and on those communities to the park work at the park and enjoy the park so, um, so yes Reckon Park takes it very seriously um, that 
that uh, making JFK into a promenade. Okay. Oh, thank you. Were you finished? Go ahead, I'm sorry about that. Okay, that's all right. Yes, I am. Thank you. Um, yeah, we take it really seriously um, that that this has that that having the JFK become a promenade and not be open to private vehicles has has changed things and made some places uh, that people are used to getting to by vehicle um, harder, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult to get to. Um, and uh, we, we also are finding that a lot of the a lot of what we're hearing is is um, that that people just don't really know now how to get to the places where they used to drive to, that there is a an alternative that they could be dropped off. You know, we hear that, yo, know, you can't get to the museums by by vehicle and you can't get dropped off at the museums, but there have always been passenger zones in front of both museums and those are still there and you can still drive right up to them. Um, so a lot of our work has been with just making sure that we're we're putting out the information um, of what is available and what does work. Uh, the shuttle is a big piece of of what we've done. The shuttle's not not perfect. Um, there, you know, as Brian pointed out, there are a lot of things we've accomplished in the last year and a lot of things that are still still to come. Um, you know, like what we hear about the shuttle being low floor. Um, to make it easier to get on and off of. But there are people who I've heard from who who think that the shuttle doesn't even have a lift, um, which, you know, of course it does. So um, so a lot of a lot of what's going on is just information and making sure that we're um, we're sharing the the correct information for people. Um, but um, but it, it's it's true. It is it is a change and it is um, uh, affecting how people, you know, if, if people were used to using vehicles to get places. I I personally haven't heard anything about um, the that people have lost jobs um, because of not being able to drive on JFK. So um, so I don't I can't speak to that. Um, but um, I know that there are people who, uh, you know, who were used to parking on JFK um, who work there and are obviously having to find other places to park. Um, but, you know, we have, uh, as far as free accessible parking, we have, we do have more spaces than we did before JFK closed. Um, and, uh, you know, as Brian talked about, we're, we're working with the, um, with the parking garage because that is, um, that is, you know, 33 more spaces that are right there, you know, that you, you can't possibly get closer <laughs> to. They're the closest spaces and have been since they yeah. were installed. Yeah, but but we still have work to do as far as um, making those spaces more affordable and 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 all that. So, um, so we we really do hear all those comments, and we've been um, we've been listening, and and you know, have, we've done a lot, but we know that there's still a lot of work to do. To help make sure that that people can really get where they where they want to get to. Thank you. Yep, thank you. 
Um, I believe we have one more question or comment from a council member. Sherry, you have your comment and then we'll have a break. And, and then we'll also hear from the MOD if they have any comments on this topic. So please be brief if you can. Hi, this is Sherry again. Sorry, I forgot to ask one more question um, about the shuttle on demand. Um, so if this is um, something you're going to bring in for an evening event concert um, or the Entwine Late show, um, if you're already going to have the drivers working, hired for that evening, um, why wouldn't you just run them on the normal route back in, you know, whatever? Like, I just don't understand what the on-demand accomplishes. Um, is it just because you don't have to hire as many drivers? Um, I I have, I just, in my experience, on-demand does not work. Um, when you have a number of people in different locations, um, if you just ran the normal route, and people know that that's what it always is and always was um, if they've been to the park before and know the shuttle. Um, I just didn't know what the reasoning was by having a special event on on demand. That's all. I can speak to that, and Lucas, yeah. if you want to add. Um, I think that's a fair question. Uh, I think the primary thing is that in general in the evenings, when it gets dark and obviously it gets dark earlier before six o'clock even on um in the winter months very a lot of people leave the park however obviously with these lightning exhibits and activities there are people in the park however it's still in general less than normal and so a combination of uh that there are fewer people in the park and that it we feel like we're it's an experiment we're trying to see if this works like lucas was saying is we felt felt that it would rather than having two drivers go around on the weekdays or the weekends until eight o'clock and pick up almost nobody um we thought let's try to see if this different service that's on call that could be work well for both the demand that's actually there, meaning the driver will go directly to a stop where somebody needs to be picked up and take them directly to a stop where they're going. Um, obviously, that does add a feature, like you noted, that, hey, that may work on paper, but does it really work well in activity? So the thought was, hey, one driver, that that's a more economical method, but we want it, we do want to make sure that it works well. So um, that's why we're doing it now. And it'd be great for people to test out Lucas. Yeah, I would just add that. I mean, just to just sort of picture how it how the how it's supposed to work is that the driver would be waiting, say at McLaren Lodge, which is one of the shuttle stops, but uh, also is right next to Entwined. And so say somebody calls or texts and says, I'm at the Muni stop at Hayton Stanion. So the driver just swings around and goes and picks them up there and then takes them to the Entwined exhibit rather than driving all the, you know, two drivers even driving all the way around the park, going to places like Stowe Lake and, um, uh, 
what's another example of a stop that that people probably aren't going to be going to at night. The Rose Garden. Uh, yeah, the Rose mm -hmm. Garden places that are that are dark, you know, transverse drive. Um, that there there's much less likelihood that they'd be going there, but rather you know the shuttle can go. You know, if you call and you say I just parked in the accessible parking lot, can you come? You know, come pick me up and take me to you know to Entwined. Then um, the the thought is that they'll get there much quicker, right? Um, because they're not circling the whole park, going to all the different stops. When, like Brian said, you know, there's going to be very few people. Um, Waiting. It's a, just just as a, a little background, it's about a forty-minute loop for the shuttle to do the entire loop to starting at Stow Lake and returning. Mm -hmm. So, all right, good. All right, thanks for the information. Thank you, Sherry. Next, we'll hear any comments from the MOD staff if there are any. Please proceed. Hello. Um, um, there are several questions, some of which have come in under Q&A in the webinar, and many of them are um, definitely germane and worth asking. I'm also um, um, very aware that it's already nearly three o'clock, and I think the interpreters and many of the rest of us are overdue for a break. And so I'd like to um, ask the chair to go ahead and have the break. And when we come back, we will probably um, announce a way to handle many of the questions that have come in. Okay, that sounds like a great idea. We'll hold off then on the comments from the MOD staff. We will take a break. What time is it now? 2.55. We're due for a 15 minute break. So that would mean being back at 3.10. Is that workable? Well, let's, yeah, by 3.10 and we'll start back up again with 3.10, 3.15. And then Debbie will say how we're going to deal with those comments. And we'll wrap up that section. And we have, I believe, another brief presentation with the goal of wrapping up our meeting by four. Okay, our break. We are now on break. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. We've had several very, very excellent questions come in on Q&A that um, are not just comments, but are very good follow-up questions um, for many of the issues that Lucas and Brian covered. And so um, there are over, I think, 35 questions in total. And so given the how numerous they are, um, and where we are uh, so far in our time frame for this meeting, I um, am going to take all of those questions, organize them according to topic, and then provide them to Lucas and Brian for your responses. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we will take that, um, the questions and answers and publish them on the MDC website as supplemental materials to this meeting. So I have no um, questions. Okay. Thank you, Debbie. Let me get my bearings here. We've had the break and we are now moving on, I believe to agenda item seven, is that right? Which is a discussion item regarding the future of the great highway closure. That runs along the coast in San Francisco and there's a closure issue there. So we are going to have a presentation once again from Lucas Tobin and Brian Stokel from San Francisco Recreation and Park. So please continue your presentation now turning to the Great Highway. Hi, thank you. Um, let me get the presentation on. This is Brian Stokel. Oh, it got me to the beginning. Hold on, it's the same presentation, so I'm going to just go to the end. There we go. Okay. 
So uh, this is an update on the Great Highway. Um, and the image here on the introduction slide is an image of the Great Highway during its promenade format with a number of people walking and biking and congregating along the Great Highway southbound lanes at the in intersection and crosswalk at Noriega. The beach is to the right and the neighborhood is to the left. In December 2022, so just last month, the Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance to maintain the Great Highway between Lincoln Way and Slope Boulevard as a car-free promenade until December 31st, 2025. This is a, the, what's known as the, uh, the Great Highway Pilot. It's a three-year study. It, uh, the, it keeps in for the use of the Great Highway what it has been since August 2021, which is vehicle access on the four lanes of the Great Highway from Monday morning at 6 a.m. until Friday at 12 noon. And then on the weekends from 12 noon on Friday until the early hours of Monday at 6 a.m. as a walking and biking and promenade for all different types of users. Uh, the image shown uh, is of a, on the left is a person pushing somebody in some sort of a wheelchair device along with a dog walking next to them um, on the great highway. And on the right, I believe that's, Lucas can correct me, I believe that's an image from the BORP program on the Great Highway. Lucas, can you chime in on that? That's right. That's the adaptive cycling program. It's at the Bandshell in Golden Gate Park, the first and third Saturdays, and out at the Great Highway on the second and fourth Saturdays. It'll be starting up again in April. But this was from, well, I think this might have been the first day that the they, the bikes were out at the Great Highway. And to give a little more information about the, um, the pilot and the study, over the next three years, our department, along with SFMTA, will be collecting much more robust data on the Great Highway's use, both for vehicles, pedestrians, bikes, et cetera that will inform a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors for consideration on the Great Highway's long-term future uh, at the end of the pilot. We're happy to reach out to our internal and external stakeholders when we begin public outreach. In the meantime, we encourage the public to provide us with feedback at rpdinfo at sfgov.org. And uh, that, this is a much shorter presentation, and this officially ends the presentation on the Great Highway. And we will we're here for questions. Thank you. Aaron, if you were speaking, you were on mute. 
The interpreter apologizes for being on mute. We'll now start our comment period first with public comment. We'll have public comment followed by comments from members of the council and then any comments from MOD. If a member of the public would like to share a comment, please raise your hand. Um, just as a reminder to the public, uh, you can make a public comment by using the raise hand feature on um, your computer or tablet or using the smartphone Zoom app. Or if you're joining by phone, you can dial star nine or you may also make a comment using the Zoom webinar um, Q&A feature. Uh, at this time, I don't see any members of the public that would wish to make a comment. Okay, no public comment regarding the Great Highway closure. Now let me turn to members of the MDC. Any comment from council members other than me. If not, then I do have just a couple of questions regarding the Great Highway. I drive to take my son to middle school in the outer Richmond area. And sometimes there are problems with Highway 1 not being open when I need it on Monday. From what I understand, the storms have greatly impacted it and I totally understand why there are closures due to effects from the storm. But even prior to that, I've had problems driving through on Monday mornings. So when, when, when that highway is not open, I have to take a very circuitous route to get where I'm going. And I, I, I think signage would help. I think at this point, people see signage and they don't necessarily know what to do and they may be surprised by its closure. So will it ever be open, Highway 1? That's it. Um, I can respond to that. Um, first of all, just a clarifying question, clarifying um, detail that uh, the Great Highway is Although it has highway in the name, it is technically a city street. It is not Highway 1. Caltrans, the state Highway 1, runs along 19th Avenue through Golden Gate Park, and then it becomes Park Presidio Boulevard. But we do know it's it's a, a road that many people use coming from Skyline in um, the peninsula, and it runs along the coast. Um, so... Um, in, it sounds like, and we we've heard this is a it's a communications challenge, and it is a physical closure challenge that we're discussing. Um, there are uh, flashing beacon signs right now to warn people when the Great Highway is shut. Um, they're set on a timer, so that they are set for weekends and Fridays at noon. Um, that raises the question of are they, can they be updated on the fly when the, there is a event, whether it's flooding or sand blocking the roadway and vehicular access, I will have to get through to SFMTA who manages those to see 
if there's a way we can streamline that. And in terms of streamlining, we are working on a better communication system because I think you hit, that's one of the key challenges here is making sure that people know when the road is accessible for vehicles, whether that's on a regular basis or on when many of these events happen. Just as a note, uh, last year there were 31 events for depending on a few hours or several days when the road was closed to vehicular access, principally due to sand encroaching on the roadway. Um, so uh, we are working with Public Works who manages the sand removal and uh, does much of the monitoring of the sand and the flooding in concert with our park rangers and uh, other, obviously the fire department uses it for emergencies and the police department has access. Um, we're working on in may improving the communications so that the public does have a better knowledge, both in general, which is on our website about when you can access it for driving, which will lead to one of my questions for you. Um, but also I think especially when there are unscheduled closures for vehicle access, um, because it's understandable that you, if you drive it normally on a Wednesday at 9 a.m., you would normally have vehicular access. And we need to make sure that everybody has multiple ways they can find out if it's not accessible. I you you did mention Monday mornings that there was a challenge. Was that before or after six a.m.? Should have been about ten o'clock. So after six a.m., well after. Okay. Ten in the morning. I saw the I saw the notice about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and so I and right. been been aware of that in the past. But on Monday morning, some at one point, there was that part that I couldn't access. Like, and it could have been because of sand that needed to be removed, and that has to happen on a weekly basis. Uh, one problem is that there are some streets that you can't drive through. And you have to take a really, like like I said, circuitous route, mm -hmm. to find your way around the blockage. There's a, there are those um, streets that are closed due to the slow streets program. And so those are the ones you have to try to navigate when you can't use that part of the great highway. Mm -hmm. So you can only do it if you're familiar with the area. I just wanted to put that out there as another thing that may need to be remediated at some point. Anyway, that's that was all I wanted to say. I think we can turn now to staff. Uh, I'll I'll just add I'll just add that part of what our we are working with SFMTA both for pi, the pilot of the Great Highway is about the road itself, but we about the neighboring streets so that uh, we can we monitor how people get around it whether it's on a scheduled basis or in this case when they're as we know on average it's actually 27 times a year almost at least a month of the year that they're on their obstructions on the road and it has to be closed part of that is making sure that there are ways you can get around it physically like to drive and that we pass on the information 
in a in a expeditious way so that the most the greatest number of people that use it can learn about that and hopefully have a better no, way to get around because they know ahead of time. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you can't get through Golden Gate Park as well. That's some of the flaws with closures we've seen in, in Golden Gate Park is that it does take you all around Robin Hood's barn trying to find another way. But that's another issue to be discussed at another time. Thank you, Brian, for sharing your insights on that. Thank you, Orkin. I'd now like to ask staff of the MOD if you have any comments. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, this was a study in contrasts today uh, between the two presentations. Uh, you finished the first slide and I sort of went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're done. Um, but I think, you know, I, I just, number one, would like to point out um, that this is, you know, a great example of the right timing is at the initiation of a new project or a change in how things are going to be done is to come to the disability community and ask for input rather than wait for people to start complaining about things. Um, so uh, that's uh, very pleased. Uh, we at MOD are very pleased um, that you're coming uh, to the community now. One issue that um, we, uh, I know I've talked about with you in the past and that it might be useful for the council to understand. Uh, we've gotten complaints from people when um, curb cuts and other important aspects of mobility access get blocked by the sand. And um, Debbie, could you wait for a moment? I don't think the interpreter spotlight is. Okay. Um, Jen, you're still spotlighted. Could you go back on and continue for a while? Thank you. Please proceed. Okay, thank you. Um, I, it, I was asking about um, what to do when the um, sand dunes um, uh, end up blocking wheelchair access. And it, it sort of, it rem I lived on the East Coast a few years ago and had to live through snowstorms. And um, it, 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 the, the situation when you've got accumulations of snow or slush um, probably is the same with sand where um, when the curb cut gets blocked, <coughs> it isn't like <coughs> well, there's an easy workaround. Um, people who are on, on foot can avoid the dunes or avoid the blockages and uh, people who rely on certain paths of travel for wheelchair access or mobility access um, have a much more significant impact. And so I'm curious how you're approaching that issue and how you think it might play out 
if the Great Highway is going to be used primarily for um, people who are not driving. That's, those are great points, Debbie. Um, with this, this is great to come in this early on this. I do know um, right now, as I mentioned, that Public Works manages the removal of sand on the roadway. Um, they are developing a new uh, updated sand management plan. Um, what I can do with that is flag this for them to ensure that at least on the roadway where their domain is that we it's rec and park jurisdiction but they have the role of maintaining it is that they uh, we examine how does the sand get removed at crosswalks and at key locations so that it's working for all different users not just vehicles that use it on weekdays um, the other um, you may uh, I hear you loud and cleared about the curb ramps, but essentially everywhere. We do know that people in wheelchairs and also, frankly, bikes, they need the sand cleared. And even if something changes from the current paradigm with the weekend promenades, there will always need to be some degree of sand removal of that uh, roadway regardless. Um, even if vehicles aren't using it some of the time or all of the time, but that's down the road. What I will answer two things. One is that uh, we are doing a dune study that and we're not conducting it, but the San Francisco Estuary Institute is uh, based on a grant from the California Coastal Conservancy is doing a study of the dunes, which is including uh, how to make it a better habitat but also having plantings that will hold down the sand better uh, so that there's less sand accumulations than we especially saw in the last year. That's obviously no guarantee that we, I think we'll always need some degree of sand removal. The, the hope is to reduce it. Um, I think the other key element you're saying is, is really making sure we have a multi-jurisdictional knowledge of this and action plan because the area between the roadway and lower great highway where there's ice plant and grass and where the restroom buildings are that's rec and parks jurist where we maintain it and i know there have been sand accumulations there and then lastly is the lower great highway road itself which is um where the curb ramps end that's also an area where I, I've, I've been out there and seen sand accumulations. And that's a question, a combination of the Rec and Park side and Public Works, which I believe does the street cleaning. And we, uh, so I think we'll need to have look into that to make sure that the route works the entire way. Um, in, even though for all agencies to ensure that all users people in wheelchairs, bikes, and other use rolling can get through when there are sand accumulations. Um, and I guess I would also just like to encourage um, you and all of us to think about this um, as a, a really great opportunity. 
Um, and it may be that there needs to be cross jurisdictional or collaboration um, in order to do um, more than just, you know, maintenance and um, keeping things working. It, it's um, sometimes very frustrating being in the job of working on advising the city about accessibility because we want to do, we want to keep things accessible, but when it comes to people with disabilities, there's so much more that, that is possible. And um, the Great Highway is this amazing place, this amazing location. And I think for people, uh, especially with disabilities who may have more difficulty getting out um, outside of the city to areas where it's more wild, it's more close to um, nature. Uh, that area is really quite an opportunity for people to experience the elements, nature, not being in the middle of cement. Um, and it, I think that you know, this would be the time, hopefully, to ask people, what would you like to do here? You know, not just what do you need for it to be accessible, but what are the things that could really be cool? What would you like to do that we can help happen? And and we've talked about this, you know, the, um, uh, the uh, people who uh, operate the, um, federal parts of that area um, could also become involved and we could create some, you know, extraordinary opportunities for people in addition to maintaining the accessibility that we want. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think I, I, I just had a, I have a relationship with the National Park Service. Um, almost all of that western portion of the city in the northwest <laughs> Brecken Park borders uh, GGNRA. Um, there is a, a, we are agreed between at least on a staff level, the Ocean Beach, the Dunes and the Great Highway is, is a great opportunity space. And regardless of how it, this Board of Supervisors decides in three years time how to use it, this is uh, an opportunity to look at it as one giant big open space that could be can be envisioned in a different way than it is now um, in light of what we even currently have. So um, uh, we're definitely on that road and I appreciate your comments on and suggestions. Um, and just one other minor point, you mentioned the Coastal Commission uh, they have done great work on um, having people with disabilities assess all of the beaches of the state. And they've published uh, books about access to um, coastal areas throughout the state, especially beaches. And so they might also have some interests here. 
Yeah, we we've been in touch with them uh, because we have to. We have to. We're getting a coastal zone permit for the current um, uh, pilot study, um, and so. Uh, but that's good to hear. I'll I'll look into that about uh, what they've done on other projects for uh, accessible ways of getting to the beach and interacting with the coast. The only thing I'll chime in on is that we have um, gotten feedback from a couple members of the public about the ramp going down to the beach because um, that gets filled with sand as well. And uh, I see that somebody put that in the Q&A as well. And that's <clears throat> my understanding is that's also DPW that maintains that, but they have to they have to do it by hand um, because their equipment won't fit on the ramp. And so that's even been a, more of a challenge for them with their staffing to to keep up with it. Um, but like Brian said, I think that's all part of them uh, putting together a better schedule for um, for keeping the sand under control because it's uh, it's been especially recently seems to be more that more of a challenge than ever. Okay, thank you very much to Lucas and Brian. You're right. We we need access to all the nature we can get. And it's it's right there at our doorstep, really. So we just have to find ways to ameliorate problems like sand. Uh, we know we can't prevent it entirely because that's part of what the beach is. We know the snowy plover has habitat. And it's a very unique um, species to have there at the beach. So that said, we've got a few more things to go through before we wrap up at four o'clock. Agenda item eight is an information item asking Debbie if there's been any correspondence since our last meeting. If so, Debbie, please go ahead and share that. Um, there has. It's rather lengthy and my voice is, is starting to give out, so I have asked Tess to please read the correspondence for us. Great. <clears throat> yes. Um, so this item we have, we received 230 plus emails about codifying the closure of JFK Drive, um, and it reads, on November 8th, uh, an overwhelming 65% of San Franciscans rejected Prop I and 63% supported Prop J, sending a clear message that San Franciscans want Great Highway Park to remain open to people, including during the day on Fridays. Supervisor Marr has proposed legislation to codify Great Highway Park beyond the emergency order and approve a pilot study for Upper Great Highway and this will soon be heard at land use and transportation or the full board. I want you to support expanding park time to include all day Fridays starting at 6 a.m. so people can enjoy the park and the city can study the benefits and impacts of a full weekday of Great Highway Park being open to people. Will you support opening Great Highway Park on Fridays at 6 a.m.? Given the overwhelming voter support for Great Highway Park, 
San Franciscans want more part-time, not less. They're asking you to lead and take action now on this amazing opportunity to pilot Great Highway Park starting at 6 a.m. on Fridays through 6 a.m. on Mondays. San Franciscans love Great Highway Park and count on it to build community, improve their well-being, and safely recreate. You can hear from some of these people, including a blind runner, an Asian elder from the sunset, a service worker, and a mom who started biking her kids to school because of Great Highway Park at um, https forward slash community spaces sf.com, uh, as well as on YouTube. Even Westside car drivers support a 24-7 Great Highway Park as highlighted in this op-ed in the Richmond Review. And this space has already been studied and evaluated at length for more than 10 years, starting with the Ocean Beach Master Plan included in the SFCTA's Great Highway Evaluation Report. Recognized by the New York Times, Great Highway Park is a safe, accessible, and environmentally friendly oceanfront community space that will be a world-renowned 24-7 park someday. But that world-renowned park cannot become a reality without a pilot of at least one full weekday, which only you can make happen. You have an opportunity to lead in helping our city plan for the future and making Great Highway Park even more accessible and equitable by codifying the Great Highway Park pilot as open to people from Friday to 6 a.m., so from Friday at 6 a.m., excuse me, to Monday at 6 a.m. Codifying Great Highway Park as open to people on at least one weekday would allow our city to pilot, study, and implement improvements, including for the surrounding area and for north-south transportation from the Richmond and car traffic in District 7, Near Slope Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard, and Lake Merced. Will you lead on this issue by supporting Great Highway Park from 6 a.m., from Friday at 6 a.m. to Monday at 6 a.m., or at least as Supervisor Marr has proposed it? Uh, and then the second letter that we have um, is improving access along JFK Drive from Howard Schaffner. Dear Marist Disabil Disability Council co-chairs, Madrid and Sassuni, and MDC members. Attached is SF Mayor's Disability Council Resolution 2022-1, which you adopted in March 2022. You resolved that permanent closure of JFK to cars shouldn't be considered unless around 17 specified access improvements were implemented. These include drive-through car access for exhibits and events on JFK, physical separation between pedestrians and cyclists/scooter riders, information and wayfinding improvements, code-compliant shuttle stops with sheltered waiting areas, kneeling or low-floor ramped shuttles, and complaint 
curb ramps in good, sorry, compliant curb ramps in good condition. The resolution concludes by requiring that the permanent closure of JFK should not be considered unless these conditions are met. As you know, you adopted the resolution in response to the February 18th, 2022 MDC meeting, which ran over four and a half hours. Literally dozens of public commenters described the hardship the car ban has caused them and asked that cars be allowed on JFK Drive again. And there were many comments in the chat to the same effect. The mitigation measures described by MTA and Reckon Park previously, and again at the meeting, didn't change anyone's mind. Only one or two commenters supported the band, and even their comments were ambiguous. Here are some links to a recording and transcript of the meeting. The testimony at that meeting and in prior meetings and the written comments to the MDC and MOD received justified a resolution opposing the permanent closure of JFK Drive to cars under any circumstances instead of the conditional one you adopted. Be as that may, the MDC resolution has been almost completely ignored. Almost none of its conditions were met. Almost none of its access and safety requirements were implemented before the Recreation and Parks Commission and the Board of Supervisors adopted and the mayor signed the Golden Gate Park Access and Safety Program. As of the last time I was on JFK Drive, which was in early October because I'm only able to roll there on a warm, sunny and calm day, this was the case. Yet the Recreation and Parks Department spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on JFK Drive before the election on removing lane markings, paint, painting murals on the pavement, installing restored doggy diner heads, installing dozens of Idernak chairs inaccessible to many people with disabilities, and hosting beer gardens, food trucks, and a Halloween party. More money has been spent since the election on events such as the World Cup viewing events. Attached is a paid argument in favor of Proposition I from the ARC San Francisco, a nonprofit serving individuals with developmental disabilities. According to the ARC, the closure of JFK Drive has prevented many of its clients from visiting and working in Golden Gate Park. Many of its clients have been forced to end their employment in Golden Gate Park because they no longer can get there. The attached is the document that was filed with the Department of Elections. The page from the voter guide, which, was, which has identical wording, is a part of a large PDF, and I don't know how to pull the single page to attach it here. A prosaic but nonetheless important example of the exclusionary impact of the car ban is that many people who rely on cars, especially disabled people and seniors, are not able to visit the light shows in Golden Gate Park that are currently taking place, nor will they ever again see the Conservatory of Flowers lit up at night, which takes place all year round. The detailed reasons for this are the subject of many emails you've received from people, and examples are included in the comments made at the above referenced meeting. I've lived a few blocks from Stanyan since 1988, 
and over the decades have enjoyed riding on JFK Drive at night and seeing the conservatory of flowers lit up. No longer will I or countless others be able to see the conservatory of flowers illuminated. The fact that RPD felt it necessary to provide VIP parking in front of McLaren Lodge for the Halloween event on JFK Drive in October is powerful evidence that some people need to drive to Golden Gate Park and park close to events and attractions on JFK Drive. The car ban has caused one of the most egregious reductions in access I've seen in the 47 years I've had a mobility disability, including 32 years as a wheelchair user. Moreover, speeding cyclists and e-bicyclists have endangered many seniors, individuals with disabilities, and other pedestrians on JFK Drive. RPD and MTA are well aware of this, yet they have done nothing. Vicki Bruckner, among others, has written to the MDC and MOD eloquently about this. Yesterday evening, I was at a meeting of Planning Association of the Richmond at which MTA Director Tom Lin spoke. A woman at the meeting made an impassioned comment about how dangerous JFK Drive has become because of this and a plea that something be done. She was almost in tears as she spoke. These exclusionary access barriers and the pedestrian safety issues should concern you both as a, an SF advisory body and as individuals with disabilities. RPDs having almost completely ignored the MDC resolution should concern you. I urge you to advocate as strongly as you can to RPD and the RPD Commission, MTA and the MTA Board, Mayor Breed and her staff, each supervisor and his or her respective staff, that all the conditions in the resolution may be implemented immediately and that steps be taken immediately to ensure pedestrian safety on JFK's drive. Sincerely, Howard Schabner. Thank you, Tess. So we're approaching four o'clock. And there's one more item on the agenda before we can wrap up. We're now at agenda item nine, general public comment. Apparently there are two people waiting to give public comment. Tess, could you moderate that? And I let's be strict about the three minute limit, please. Yes, um, so at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that are not on this meeting agenda. For agenda items, you have had an opportunity to address the council um, when that item was reached during this meeting, um, and the Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda, including those items raised by public comment. Um, and if you would like to make a public comment, um, you may use the raised hand feature on the Zoom app um, or on your tablet or computer. You may also dial star nine if you're joining my phone, or you may type your comment into the Q&A feature on the Zoom webinar. 
Um, so I do see at least two members of the public who would like to make a comment. Um, first, I have a phone call-in listener, uh, 415-707-9680. Um, you have been permitted to unmute and you may speak. Hello? Please continue your comments. It looks like you're unmuted now. Do we have any public comment from the member who's connected via phone? I don't see any other phone number, so there's just the one. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Well, we only heard you say, can you hear me? We didn't hear anything else. So there's someone else. Publicly. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we this can. Is the most, okay, I will try ahead. this one more time. Thank you. My name is Lori Guidas. I'm a resident of the Parkside District. I use a disability placard to make my way around the city. I have a morphine pain pump for pain in my back. My partner and I go down to the beach uh, at least one morning a week, and we drive in on the slope, um, on slope road by the Great Highway, and we park there where the surfers um, conglomerate in the parking lot there. I'm hoping that area will still be open to the public, um, even though the disability placard uh, parking spaces are too far away from the beach to actually enjoy the beach view. And I would hope that at some point, if you do keep that open, that we'll be able to open a couple of those spots for people with disabilities. Um, I know they are doing some reconstruction over by the sewage, sewage uh, plant there, but it's one of the few activities my partner and I can enjoy together because it is in a car. It's not warm enough by the ocean to be standing out there, but it is like a million dollar view that's, you know, with a cup of coffee that we can enjoy ourselves as mem as members of the public. I'm hoping they'll keep that spot open and I wish they would keep at least one of the lanes open on the Great American Highway so people can make their way and enjoy the views, whether they are disabled or not. It's It's one of the best places in the city that you can still enjoy without having to pay a lot of money to participate in. And for those of us on social security disability who don't have a lot of money and are still able to um, drive or have someone drive us there, it just gives us, you know, 
an opportunity to participate in social activities that we don't necessarily uh, are able to enjoy as easily. So I just thank you guys for all the hard work that you do on the council. And I hope that you'll keep those of us who drive and who are disabled who aren't in wheelchairs uh, uh, who can't participate and walk down to the beach because of our backs. We're, I'm hoping that you'll work for us too. Thank you very much. Thank you for your public comment. Do we have um, any further public comment, please? Looks like we have one more member of the public that would like to speak. Um, Zach Karnazes, um, you've been permitted to unmute and you may speak. Hi, yes, I would like to leave my public comment for item number seven. I was skipped over and I please would ask that that's not taken from my time. I would like to leave a comment for item number seven and the general public comment, please. Go ahead. Okay, if someone could please restart the clock so I could leave for, for item number seven. Is that is that being allowed? Go ahead, please. Yes, can you please clarify though, can I leave two public comments, one for item number seven, because I was skipped over and one for general public comment. Can someone please clarify if that will be allowed? Yes, please go ahead. Thank you for that clarification. This is for public comment item number seven. Um, I wanna speak on the great highway issue. This is an issue that has proven uh, incredibly divisive in our community at large. And I believe as a climate activist, former bicyclist before I was disabled, and as a disabled person and wheelchair user now, this is a divide and conquer strategy. Uh, this is music to our oppressors ears when the disabled community is being pit against bicyclists and climate activists in order to access public space. There are so many solutions for these issues that are not being explored. And this divisive agenda continues to be uh, tearing our community apart, quite frankly. And I hate to see it happening. I hate to see disabled people being pit against climate activists and bicyclists. We should be working together for joint solutions. Uh, second, you know, DPW, it was amazing hearing that, that, that part about cleaning the ramp from, from the sand. DPW has all the money in the world to harass homeless people. They're recently uh, actually a new lawsuit being filed uh, against DPW because they are harassing disabled homeless homeless people and stealing their prosthetics and stealing their wheelchairs and throwing them into, into garbage trucks. Uh, these horrendous human rights violations continue to happen. And I'd really like to see MOD talking about that more and the violent abuse of our disabled homeless neighbors. DPW has all the money in the world to, to continue that violent abuse, but they can't keep ramps clear at the beach. Give me a break. Also, I'd like to add that this is a specialized issue. This is a specialized issue for those that have the highest levels of privilege and functioning in our disabled community. I still do not have a wheelchair accessible apartment and this, this body has done next to nothing to help me actually get my wheelchair out of my own apartment. Um, there's no law, there's no protections for us to have wheelchair accessibility in our own living spaces. And Disabled people have continued to feel the brunt of mass gentrification in this city. I had to file a lawsuit against the city 
to secure wheelchair access on public buses, again, because this body and MOD did nothing about that for years. And then there's situations like Laguna Honda, where in 2019, another lawsuit was filed for continued sexual abuse against disabled patients who are extremely vulnerable. Again, MOD and this body talks nothing about sexual abuse that the city does against disabled people. Talk about those issues. Talk about us being able to get onto transportation, get in and out of our homes, not be have our bodies sexually violated. Talk about those issues, please. And then I can figure out how to get to the beach. Those are my comments for general public comment on item number seven. For should I continue for general comment now for item number for items not, not on the agenda? Yes. Thank you. So my name is Zach Carnazes. I'm a disability advocate, a human rights activist, and a climate activist. You can find me on YouTube under Disability and Activism San Francisco. If you search SFMTA disability lawsuit, uh, disability discrimination on SFMTA buses, and stuff of that nature, you'll find me. I also gave a presentation on the National Transit Equity Committee, um, and uh, you, can, you can find that on YouTube as well. And I also encourage MOD and MDC to share my email address with any interested people that want to communicate with me and work together to solve disability challenges. And really, they're not our challenges. They're ableism is what it is. We live in an ableist, discriminatory society that is very bigoted towards us. And that is seldom addressed in this body. Um, and so I also just want to point out that the chat has been removed so that disabled members of the public cannot communicate with each other through that method. We have no way to share information with each other. You've blocked off the video, so we can't video participate either. And these are not, this is not a way to show disabled people that we matter and that our community matters. This is not a way to show that you are representing what it would be like to be in person. In person, you can see me. In person, I can talk to somebody and say, here's my business card. Here's my email. You have blocked that. You have blocked that in this body. And that is very disappointing. Also, I'd like to add that I'm still waiting for an apology from MOD, specifically from Deborah Kaplan, who for a year, nearly just shy of a year, withheld my disability records illegally. And this is not my opinion that this was illegal. This was ruled by the city government themselves, the Sunshine Task Force, on a 10 to, one, 10 to 0 unanimous verdict, ruled that Mayor's Office on Disability violated my rights and illegally withheld my records after nearly a year of requests. Um, Deborah Kaplan fought me and gaslit me till the very end to deny any responsibility for this, even after being told the action was illegal, and to this day has never apologized to me. This is criminal and cruel. And I really, it really hurts. It really hurts that when we come to you for help, that we are abused, that the law is broken, and that we do not get an apology. I would also like to see this body talk more about vaccine access. As a disabled person stuck in my home, I was the last person to get a vaccine because the rollout program for in-home vaccine access was so incredibly delayed. And also, I would love to see a topic for next time about the Disability Cultural Center, which we have been waiting for and begging for for years and years since the Dignity Fund was passed in 2016. 
Please make the Disability Culture Center a priority. Please make homeless disability rights a priority and the sexual abuse of disabled people at Laguna Honda a priority. Thank yes, you. I know my time is up. Thank you very much for your comment. Do we have any further public comment? If anyone else has a comment, please use the raise hand feature. If not, we will move forward toward adjournment of the meeting. Tess, do we have any further public comment lined up? Um, it doesn't look like anybody else from the public would like to make um, a comment at this time. Okay. I'd like to thank you all for your public comments. You've appreciated your what you've shared with us today. And we do we do feel for you. We'll move on to agenda item number 10, which is a discussion item for any comments or announcements from council members. Council members, if you have something, please raise your hand. If not, we'll move forward to adjourn the meeting. Has anyone raised their hands? Sherry, I see your hand up. Please. I apologize if it was up. I have nothing to add. Thank you. That's okay. No need to apologize. Any other comments from council members? Seeing none, I'll move on to agenda item number 11 to adjourn the meeting. Any motion to adjourn? So moved. Who said that? Helen. Thank you everyone for coming. Thank you for your active participation. We had some great discussions today on important topics. Hope you have a great rest of your month. Stay dry and we'll see you all later.